0: Welcome to Old Man Blurred. Hi, I'm John, and along with my friend Terrence, we make up a pair of lifelong geeks who happen to be black, over 50, but are certainly nerds first and foremost. The alpha geek and the omega freak. And we welcome everyone. And by everyone, we mean nerds, blurds, and bleaks, cosplayers and role players, geeks and freaks. Marvel Zombies and Distinguished Competitors, Trekkies, Star Warriors, Bat and Spider Fans, Warhams, Hams, Whovians, A-Falls, adult fans of Legos, Tolkienites, Weaboos, Supernatural Hunters and Otakus, Ava Geeks, Brostars and Sistars, Pokemon Trainers, Potterheads, Bronies, Whovians, Browncoats and Scoobies, and all nerd properties in between. Because we are over 50, we've seen a thing or two and have experience, long experience, with a lot of these properties. So thank you for listening to Old Man Blurred.
1: There
0: we go. There we go. Disappeared. Yay! You're here.
1: Yes, I know. I'm trapped. Trapped.
0: (laughs) We're here with your rapt attention. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to Old Man Blurred. <laughs> and this is a special new Doctor Who review coming right at you. So huh, I think huh. We've all been caught up. Remember the new Zoo review? I've, that dates us completely. <laughs> oh, come on. Don't you remember Henrietta Hippo? And uh, what was the owl's name?
1: I forgot what his name was. Freddie the Frog. Remember I remember
0: the... Freddie the Frog. He was the young kid one. And then Henrietta Hippo, she was sort of a southern bell type thing. And then there was something, the owl.
1: Right. And we were mean as kids because we used that against the girls who are overweight.
0: Yikes. We probably, is... we probably did. We A little bit of fat shaming. Two <laughs> times. Two times, well, <laughs> Time, certainly. <laughs> certainly. And so have we. So this is our official doctor who review of uh something that i'm assuming some blurds some black nerds black geeks bleaks and blurds have been waiting for i i you know i i was i think okay either way i didn't need the the doctor to be uh a different shade but it's kind of neat that he is and uh now we have uh, the 15th doctor played by Scottish. Uh, I think he's Scottish Rwandan actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's it's pronounced Shuti Gatwa. So, and he is our official 15th uh, doctor. And he is uh, so you know uh, just a quick summary of the previous uh, specials because there was three specials he premiered in the last of the third special, the giggle, and then had his official Christmas episode with ch- with the church on Ruby Road, which introduces his newest companion, uh, Ruby Sunday, uh, who I believe is played by Millie Gibson is her name. Um, And just a quick summary of the previous specials. We had the 14th Doctor, which is the, when uh, the 13th Doctor regenerated, it ended up being the face of the 10th Doctor, played by david Tennant, uh and is the 14th doctor and then the 14th doctor reunites with donna noble and her family in the star beast that was special number one um i guess russell t davies is back as i guess the showrunner and uh they have some adventures <laughs> they uh, i won't spoil too much you should check it out and i will be spoiling some things in uh the christmas episode and the giggle so just warning warnings spoilers as uh ruby river song says um then there was the wild blue yonder where uh they meet briefly uh a sir isaac newton played by an east indian actor uh some people had an issue with that i i I, you know i felt like it was fine but it And it was cute, but I think that I see why people have a problem with historical figures changing the race. And that was the Wild Blue Yonder. And then they had some more adventures there. That was a great episode. Won't spoil it for you. I think you should see it. Uh, And then there they go on to the Giggle. And this is where Neil Patrick Harris uh, plays the toy maker. And now spoilers will begin because uh, there is a regeneration that is called a bi-generation so that the 14th doctor played by David Tennant and the 15th doctor played by Shuti Gatwa uh, exists simultaneously. Um, So then we move on to his first official Christmas adventure, which they haven't done since, I guess, 2005. And that was the church on ruby road so now for those of you that love us but don't want to have any spoilers you should probably check it out those episodes out first and um now we are going to get spoiler heavy so first off uh terrence what did you think of shuti gatwa just as a doctor did you feel like he was well within that lineage of doctors and his zaniness and intelligence or what'd you think
1: I think he is an interesting in a doctor that he is almost like Batman, as far as he had like two or three gadgets rather than just a standard sonic screwdriver,
0: which I'm not because sure he, i I like the sonic screwdriver. it looks less screwdriver and more remote controly,
1: <laughs> yes, it does, but maybe that's what they wanted to show the new change with the bio generation, you know, because we have the other doctor walking around with the sonic screwdriver still, and he sure. still still leaves when he feels like it,
0: yes. Yes. What was the other, I don't remember the other gadget that he had. Gloves. Oh, that's right. The gloves. And I I dug the gloves because, you know, I feel like anytime they introduce real physics to the Doctor Who series or any sci-fi series, just even a little bit, then it's because, you know, you can suspend disbelief. Only so much. And at a certain point, it's like, oh, you're holding your whole body weight and someone else on a ladder that's, you know, (laughs) swinging, you know, up, you know, roughly, you know, a few hundred meters in the sky. Maybe, maybe not necessarily possible. (laughs) Unless you're super, you got crazy core strength.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you also got to think about it. If anyone could to degree is him because he is built more like a ballet dancer.
0: Sure, sure. Um, so he had new gadgets. What'd you think of his style? Because they give him a bit of they give him a bit of panache. They give him a bit of style, I think. I we're gonna see more of it because I've seen pictures of him looking uh pretty styly. What did you think of that?
1: As long as the rainbow as you know, the doctor with always having the rainbow or question marks, hey, I don't care. Yeah. He was funky he was fresh dressed to impress. Re- yeah, only the first three really didn't have that.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, they were just sort of, I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Baker broke
1: old... the with the scarf, and he went from there.
0: Yeah, and I didn't think Eccleston was particularly stylish, although I guess the leather jacket was sort of styly.
1: Kind well, they actually said that that Eccleston is the one that actually made it so the doctor could exist, because he was the first one that, like lack a better term, made him down to earth as far as UK went.
0: Sure. He, I mean, he is absolutely important because he was, you know, the relaunch, the official relaunch. I think that was, I think that. Hmm. Was, well, I guess he, yeah. Cause he was the ninth doctor and that was the sort of the relaunch and he was great, you know, uh, but in terms of style, I feel like then when you get to tenant, it's like, okay, you got the trench coat with the Chuck Taylors, the white Chuck Taylors. Um, then you got Matt Smith with the bow tie and the Fez and the sort of uh, they weren't quite Doc Martin boots, but you know, they were kind of kind of coolish boots in a way, right? Um mm. I don't think that um uh, uh Capaldi was Super stylish, but he kind of was. He had the sunglasses and all that sort of thing, as the Sonic. The it was like Sonic's sunglasses as opposed to a screwdriver for a bit there.
1: Well, yeah, and also he was he was doing the
0: midlife crisis. Will, oh, you're breaking up a little bit. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What'd you say?
1: He was doing the midlife doctor, midlife crisis doctor, if you will.
0: Yes, he was the midlife crisis doctor who I I have a soft spot for him because I think I'm at midlife. Well, I know I'm at midlife, but I think I relate to being curmudgeonly a little more than styly and on a scooter like Matt Smith. <laughs> With, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I,
1: I've gotten to that stage. Get off my lawn.
0: Yes, it's he was the get off my lawn doctor, <laughs> but uh, and then after that, you know, it, I think they didn't have a real good style for the thirteenth doctor so much. She had an interesting sonic screwdriver. Um, uh, Whitaker had a it was it was, it was, it was it, and, and she was zany. Um, kind of a, I guess it was this like a suspenders yeah there was the suspenders with the rainbow t-shirt you know um I don't feel like it was as iconic as Matt Smith's doctor or uh Tennant's doctor, but it's gonna be interesting to uh, with uh Shuri Gatwa whether or not they they kind of have sort of the black exploitation brown leather jacket <laughs> he's he's a little more shaft than he is than than Doctor true, who. True. Um, which you know is fine. I think you know, give give him some style. Uh, you know. Um, I think, yeah, I thought it was great. He I didn't feel like a an interruption to what a doctor is like, which is a bit of a know it all, a bit uh zany. Um genuinely cares about humanity in a really good way. Um, so good stuff. Um, so i'm going to go through a little bit of you know what happens in that episode um you know and how they introduce uh ruby sunday now what do you think of ruby sunday just briefly first blush what's your your hit on ruby sunday played um i think by... she's
1: she's the standard uh, russell type of companion oh she's so? you know, down to earth like the first ruby or was it Rose? Rose
0: Rose, Rose? Rose, Rose, yeah, she was down Chris. to earth. Yeah, I think so. Um, and this. And is... and
1: you know, they don't want you to outreach. And I mean, the idea of her family being inter- interracial was interesting. That
0: was cool. Yeah, so like that, she's uh ad- adopted, you know, by Carla, I believe, um, mm-hmm. and and her uh, mother and her grandmother, uh, Cherry, who I thought had some great lines in trying to get just a simple cup of tea and asking for it (laughs) during the entire adventure um yeah and she was the one uh the one child that she fostered that she decided to keep uh in the context of the story um you know she's having all of these accidents happen similar to gremlins. They're goblins that are causing these sort of accidents that, you know, I, I wasn't really clear as to why they were causing the accidents. Cause I didn't understand why they wanted to kill her because their whole thing was eating babies, <laughs> you know? So I didn't she's understand.
1: She's the one that got away. That's
0: it. She's the one that, and they were mad about that and that, you know, yeah. but you know, and, uh, The 15th Doctor spots it right away that, oh, okay, something's unusual about Ruby. And it turns out, and this is probably going to be the deep mystery, is who is it that uh, dropped her off? Long story short, uh, Ruby uh, was uh, a a baby that was placed outside of a church on Ruby Road uh, on Christmas Eve. Was it? Mm-hmm. I believe Christmas Eve. Yes, it was. It was and Eve. and it it seems like it's a woman that dropped her off. Um. So that's going to be. I think that may be something interesting. I've had. I had some master vibes, which you know. I we've talked before. I would love one of the companions to end up being the master, and then revealed at the end of this of the se- of the season. But you know one can wish, but I definitely felt like, okay, this is a little strangely mysterious. And, you know, over the course of the episode, um, they sort of do a, it's a wonderful life uh, on Ruby and make it so that she ends up getting kidnapped instead of her, uh, foster sibling Lulabelle, which is what brings the doctor over. It's like the, they're trying to kidnap Lulabelle. Uh The doctor sort of snatches Ruby to get onto the goblin ship, which is like an old pirate ship type style that f- flies in the sky. And uh, they rescue the baby, but then it ends up happening that uh, Ruby gets taken at her time of being dropped off, what some twenty years earlier or something like that. And right. the doctor, doctor right. has to go rescue her, and all of that. Dance number, dance number on the goblin ship. What'd you think of the dance number? That's something I have not seen in a Doctor Who. I don't think a musical number. No.
1: Well, no, nobody's really seen that. But you know, it was kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, it didn- made me think of the Goblin King from Labyrinth. Number one. I mean, right nice. down to going to get Lulabelle, you know, because, I mean, it's the same thing. They go get the baby from the Goblin King. But in yeah. this case, it wasn't going to become a goblin. It was going to be eight. So, okay, there you go.
0: Yeah, they were. They they it, really wanted to eat the baby. They they had a song about how tasty babies are.
1: <laughs> but the thing that got me also was this doctor, he uses any patterns of language to him, which is interesting. Because the coincidences was actually more of a language, hence magic.
0: Yes, yes, yes. And so that was an interesting thing, is that there was a few languages that were going on that showed specialized, I think, the linguistic skill and engineering skill of the doctor, which he's always had. Uh, they've always had doctors. Uh, and he ends up seeing the language of the ropes.
1: Yes. To entice thought- so
0: and the, how they work similar to uh, electrical wires. So he eventually susses that out. And he also, you know, figures out the, their languages coincidence and coincidences are how they, um, sort of have, have their power to some degree. Um, and then you see, because of that, you see the link, one of the coincidences is the link between the doctor being sort of this orphan and uh, and not knowing his true parentage and uh, Ruby, uh, uh, Ruby Sunday, not knowing who her parents are. Because, you know, even though she goes early on in the episode, she goes on to a television show that's sort of a, responsible for trying to find... People's parents who have been adopted or uh, or fostered. Uh, I forgot what they call it. It's like some it was a particularly British word of referring to foundling, I think.
1: Yes, 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 that's is what, what it
0: was. Yeah. It's like sort of the
1: uh, one we rip off with is changeling. Yeah. yeah which I actually went
0: again hand in hand
1: with the goblins.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of reoccurring motifs, and that's part of the whole episode, is coincidence. And then you see, like, the coincidence of the 15th Doctor not knowing who his family is. And I think that we're gonna probably explore that piece, because they kind of let that sort of die, didn't they? The sort of forgotten child, was it?
1: Yeah, they kind of let it go, but then again, in the giggle, that's where the Toymaker basically said he made his history into a jigsaw puzzle. So that means any of them apply and don't at the same time. Hmm. If well, you really think about it. Because and- Patrick McGillan, number eight, his father was a, a time lord and his mother was human. Mm-hmm. You know. And then they set up here and say all of a sudden he's the time's child. And then all of a sudden you hear him say he's an orphan. So it's kind of like, okay, what it and that goes back to him being a puzzle
0: sure what is yeah i'm sorry i said forgotten child it's the timeless child um and you know i think that's the thing when you have a property like doctor who which you know is very similar in, in, to how long you have superheroes you start to have some continuity mistakes <laughs> you know cuz somebody wants to expand the lore and maybe someone else doesn't like the expansion of the lore and changes the lore again. Um, I'm not attached particularly. I think that it, it it is actually much more interesting how much they sort of tied up with those first three specials for 2023 because they sort of tie up what happened with Donna you know because Donna got the shaft sort of <laughs> as a companion. I mean all of them do and that's kind of what the Toymaker was sort of expressing during the puppet show. Right. You know, he expressed in the puppet show, it's like, yeah, well, that's all right, then, you know, how many of these human beings you've played with, which, you know, you've cut their strings. And now, you know, you have Clara who's living what the last second of her life and and uh, the pawns basically getting got by the the weeping angels and, you know all of those things every companion suffers a sort of kind of a negative <laughs> fate but i think that they were trying to address that that's why they tried to fix the donna thing they tried to have the toy maker look at the have the 14th doctor look at all of the wreckage he himself has left and also address how confusing his own history is by like you say making his past a jigsaw puzzle
1: but, you know, what was interesting, and they made a lot of thought about it, I mean, number one, you know, the master got his escape route when they took care of the Toymaker.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But the three things I don't like is, I mean, you're supposed to have the super, super power of being, and yes, he goes by the rules. But when you say you don't want him back again, he should be able to come back somehow. It should take him time, hence 60 years between episodes. There you go.
0: Sure. Well, I think what was interesting, I mean, because how many times have we in, seen in pop culture, the mischievous uh, trickster god who still plays by certain rules? I mean, it's like Mixleplik. Mixleplik is... Yeah,
1: Mix-o-plick, Uh that's the main one, because Loki yeah. really doesn't.
0: No, but Mixleplik, and I mean, Mixleplik as a character is certainly older than Doctor Who. Uh, I think Mixleplik was golden age pretty sure. Yeah, he's about 10 years older than him. Yeah, I would think uh, he might have been in the 50s, you know, yeah, at, 10 years older. But, you know, yeah, so might have been early silver age but still older than the doctor. Um so yeah, you have this notion of this all-powerful creature that can do anything and that's one of the things that, you know, Tennant's character uh, of the 14th was saying, it's like, you could be so big. Why are you being so small? And, you know, there's a terrifying element to something like that, because, you know, one of the reasons why I have a problem with theism is because theism tends to be anthropocentric, like all human beings are you know, the God is just a very super powerful human being, which doesn't make sense to me, because if you were that all powerful, omniscient and omnipotent, you would kind of be like, oh, I don't want to mess. I don't want to use these entities, these creatures like toys. But what if you did? <laughs> what if, you know, what if you what if, you know, a supreme being was like a mixelplik or a toy maker? That would be really, really terrifying.
1: <laughs> what has happened over history in the pathions
0: you know? sure I mean, sure and from i think
1: Zeus to jupiter to i mean hell vikings thor i mean geez right yeah <laughs> all of those
0: all of them are very human very very human but you know once you get to judeo-christian oriented sort of theism it's like no he's not human but it's like but then there's plenty of ample evidence in any number of texts where it's like ooh that's kind of not nice yeah. <laughs> but maybe maybe don't obliterate a whole town maybe maybe i'm sure there might have been someone good in Sodom or maybe <laughs> so well, yeah. the so the notion not to get into any type of metaphysics but i th- i think that there's something troubling as a human being with the notion of a supreme being that has that level of power that's that heady. You know, it's like he was okay with having tossed some people over the building. (laughs) Because, you know, the doctor is very much not that way. He's not, you know, omnipotent by any means. He's pretty smart, but he's not omnipotent. And he cares about every human being not having – he doesn't even want to kill – You know, spacefaring races, like in the first episode, he didn't want the Meep dead. You know, he just wanted him to get arrested, basically. Right. In the the special uh, number one for 2023. Um, So, you know, uh, that is troubling for us is to have some sort of all-powerful being that's just like, nah, I'm going to be superficial and petty, and I'm going to treat you like a toy, and I'm going to just have this long-range plan based around television to make everyone think they're right. Um. So, you know, yeah, so I, I didn't catch that part. I'm glad that you illuminated that part about him saying that he made Doctor Who's own past uh, a... One that was uh, a jigsaw. Because then that sort of explains all of the dis- their discontinuity errors.
1: Right. And also it explains it across the board, you know, because we don't know how many other beings there are, because even though he mentions them and it has this and that as far as he won, you know, in, in the Gilgal, he talks about all the times he's won. Mm-hmm. We don't know how the doc- doctor winning had undid or changed that very fact.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, he I guess he can always decide not to follow his own rules. Um, And I didn't catch until the second viewing that that he had turned the master into a gold tooth. I caught that the first viewing. I did not catch it in the second viewing that the gold tooth fell out. Now, was that a woman's hand that picked it up?
1: Yes. And some people suspect that the neighbor in the first new episode was the one to pick it up. Flood? But me,
0: Mrs. Flood yes. or whatever it was?
1: Yes, but me? What about a third option?
0: Uh-huh.
1: What did the first doctor have?
0: Uh, what did the first doctor have?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: A cane? I know that. He had a
1: granddaughter.
0: Oh, he did, huh?
1: That's right. And 70 years later, 60 years later, it'd be about her age.
0: Huh. So that's who that's you right. think maybe...
1: Yeah, because she recognized the TARDIS.
0: Yes, and she, and she broke the fourth wall there. You know, with doing that, uh, I think a lot of people are really uh, one of the biggest buzzes for the Church of on Ruby Road was was that character, um, Mrs. Flood. Um, I know that people have made some uh, hay about it being like there's Amy Pond, water um river song water and mrs flood um well
1: they also said it could be the master because the lady's hand um picking up the tooth
0: you know sure and and the previous master the the not 13th uh master but 12th master right capaldi's master was uh was a woman um But I think, I guess, by the time the toy maker got to the master, maybe it was the 13th doctor's master, but who knows, you know, I mean, you know, it's (laughs) who knows, right? Yeah, it's a timey-wimey kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So, but I think she, yeah, that's, that character's probably a bit more important than not i mean there was a part of me that felt like oh that's funny the neighbor knows that there's a tardis uh what uh, but then it was like well wait a second i mean actually hold on a second okay go ahead all right we are back had to tend to some family needs um
1: since i'm always lying on the floor here it's like okay i gotta get up
0: (laughs) (laughs) so um Yeah, so who, you know, who really knows what, obviously the Master's going to uh, be important. And, yeah, lots of speculation with Mrs. Flood. Not sure what that's going to be. Actually, they sort of unleashed on all of the Who fans a number of mysteries. There's the one who waits. That's a mystery. That's Um, the one who
1: actually could bring back the Toymaker. Sure. Carl They actually were scaring at that.
0: Yeah, the toy maker was afraid of the one who waits, so who knows what that is. Uh, you're going to, of course, see the Daleks at some point, and probably the Cybermen at some point, I'm sure. Uh, you still have the mystery of Ruby. I find it very interesting that the... She was left by uh, at the church by a woman, and a woman's hand, I thought, was the hand that picked up the gold tooth of the master, and you have Mrs. Flood.
1: So, well, actually, that another thing, too, you're right. It could be she's a time lord, period.
0: Yeah, we just don't know. Uh, so those are, the, I think, the big underlying questions. The the you know typically Doctor Who has just your regular you know monster of the week episodes, but there's always the deep story underneath that. Like the crack was you know you know uh, during the Matt Smith season, you know what was. Well, going that was on the
1: great him. thing about Russell. That is the one good thing about him. He does do depth.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you can have you can really have a monster of the week kind of story. But I think that the reason why Doctor Who does is well regarded, uh, Buffy was well regarded, Supernatural was well regarded, is that even though you could have the monster or the baddie of the week kind of episode, there was always a a through line of something deeper going on per season. Right. And that's so, one of
1: the things that um is a problem when it comes to most most sci-fi or fantasy that they cater to to us is yeah. they try to um, give people like a better term they're, they're, they try to give them their chocolate up front without giving them their meat and potatoes
0: that's true I, like I, I would think I mean as great and as brilliant as Star Trek the next generation was I don't remember them doing that that much I mean Deep Space Nine did but I don't remember Star Trek having a season where it was like there's just going to be this reoccurring issue That's back in the background, that's going to eventually be in the foreground. Now, it's been a while since I've rewatched Next Gen, um, but I don't
1: think that that stuff that happened was more of a character. What I mean is, like, they might mention it episode one, and then it'll pop up episode 10.
0: Sure. I mean,
1: like, Deanna's mother is a good example. You know, she wasn't a problem, but she was an annoyance to Picard.
0: Sure. And then there was the Tasha Yar thing, but that still wasn't the way certain things have played in doctor who or supernatural where the whole season of in supernatural is, Oh, we've, he was in hell or, Oh, the you know devil's looking for an avatar or, Oh, you know, something, you know, same with doctor who it's like, Oh, we're dealing with this big square prison. <laughs> what is that? Who goes in that, you know, what's it going to be? Um, well, yeah. no,
1: you're right because that's that's what I liked about Superman and Lois when it was on.
0: They had actually, that. They had that. Oh, good. Because I think yeah, they that, that the, that's kind of how comic books are, arguably, right? Because, I mean,
1: yeah, because the first season they they did what they wanted to hard and fast with some of the characters, but you know, spoiler, Morgan Edge turns out to be Superman's half brother. Oh wow! Okay. Well, you and, know, and and that threw people off for a lot because we did what? You got a brother. But it made sense how they explain it. it was Kryptonian culture, you know, just like so many cultures of the day. Mm-hmm. They had arranged marriage. Oh, okay. Okay, so Lo- Laura did not love the guy, didn't work out, and hence the
0: first child. Huh, interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take. I don't know what I feel about that Laura wise because I kind of like him being the last son of Krypton. But, you know, that's that looms large in his... Defining characteristics is him being the last one, you know, but they kind of changed that anyway with Supergirl, and they changed that with Power Girl. So,
1: right. I... And see, in this case, it was interesting because his brother was, for lack of a better term, an ass. <laughs> okay. But, 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 because his father raised him harsh, you know, you got to be tough, you got to be this, got to be that, militaristic. Huh. He raised him with a hologram that was militaristic. Humans are beneath you, like you were saying.
0: So and they did Omni Man kind of thing.
1: Right. And here's Clark, you know, but the redeeming part of the character was that no matter what,
0: he wanted his brother. Huh. So he still believed in family strongly enough. Yes.
1: I do put him in the end. And that was interesting.
0: I do like the the ways people have played with the Superman archetype because Omni Man and Invincible which is now, uh, you know, a television show, an animated uh, series. Um, uh, Supreme was that way. Miracle man was that way. All of those. Uh, and I think we'll save that for another episode when we get into, you know, the anti-hero, uh, notions of the anti-hero, but I do like when they play with uh, some of the lore of Superman a little bit. Um, but back to who yeah i think that's one of the strongest pieces of doctor who is that there's the under the the sort of which is i think was a limitation of the ninth doctor because i don't feel like they did that very much with the ninth doctor am i rem- remembering that correctly i don't feel like the ninth, right. i don't feel like the ninth doctor had a deep story that was season long
1: see the problem the problem is that there are two doctors my favorite and then everybody else's favorite. My favorite's number eight. Everybody else's is number nine. And both of them are, are good because they're the both that kept the Doctor going. That's why I say that.
0: Sure, they were holding water while no one was watching Doctor Who.
1: <laughs> exactly. And in eight's case, it was the same thing that happens all the time. They forget, as I've mentioned before, how small we are as an audience. Sure. And they put on the Doctor Who TV movie with number eight. Mm-hmm against the finale of Roseanne's
0: series. Oh, goodness, yeah. it was going to lose there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, those are the kind of things they don't think about. And I mean, it would have done good on the Sci-Fi channel,
0: you know. Well, I think one of the reasons why the reboot in 2000, what was it, 2005? I think one of the reasons why from nine on got to be so big is I think that international television became far more accessible. It wasn't just, oh, seeing stuff trickle in at PBS. And I think the whole nerd culture thing, particularly with sci-fi, had gotten to a place where people more had a language for sci-fi to accept it. It's kind of like, you know, there was a point where sci-fi was just it was you were marginalized and i think right around that time with the reboot of Doctor who was right around the time that comic books were starting to get slowly but surely you know a little more mainstream and uh Supernatural and all those types of shows were starting to really hit, too. So it was okay that there were these properties, these sci-fi fantasy properties, out. When did the Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings happen? About the
1: same time. It happened so, about the same time. Yeah. At the same time that uh, King Kong came out by Peter Jackson, too, which is about between 2003 and 2005, that, that area between the two of them.
0: Yeah, and that was when it's kind of like it was kind of like alternative music it's like there was alternative music it was co- wasn't called alternative music it was just you know music that no one listened to but weirdos you know there was goth there was new wave there was post punk there was all of these things and then nirvana happened and then all of a sudden everybody was listening to stuff from seattle they were listening to the cure they were listening to all these once upon a time underground acts and so it was there was a uh, i remember a documentary that i think sonic youth put on that was called 1994 or something the year punk broke and it was about their tour with nirvana and it was true because you know i remember going to shows that were super small with a lot of those bands and then Lollapalooza, even at even Lollapalooza, as big as Lollapalooza was, was still people. It was all of the people that you saw at those concerts. But then Lollapalooza Two was a completely different group. It was all the people that beat up the kids that were at Lollapalooza One or these smaller shows. And I think that that's what happened with stuff like Doctor Who and um and comic books and uh you know kaiju movies and everything else is like oh this is okay to like now you know well yeah
1: to me it's just the same as a person who has a mental difference or in a chair or something else is that when it's in your household or even sexuality you know years ago that was like, in your household you identify with it. sure but when it's, it's outside your household you know what I mean like we all both of us have had that relative me comics you your music they're like do you like this Oh, understand. I had the same
0: thing with comics, too. I mean, I remember I liked comics and fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons and video games and all of that stuff prior to 2000-something was pretty marginalized. If you liked comic books, it's like, first of all, it was weird that you liked reading, <laughs> and then you liked reading comic books. So that was, Who's you know.
1: You. Don't forget our Hugh, our Hugh.
0: Yes, being black, yeah. Sometimes it was like, what, you like reading? You're trying to be white. Um, you were uh, there. Yeah, so, you know, uh, but I think that the Batman movie helped comic books a lot. Because when the that Batman-Michael uh, Keaton movie happened, yeah, that was a big thing. That was the first bump that, oh, maybe comic books are okay. That was the first one. And that happened... Right around the time that Watchmen had already happened and Dark Knight Returns had happened and Alan Moore was busily doing Swamp Thing, all of that stuff in Vertigo Comics, all that stuff was starting to happen. So it was the first wave of, oh, comic books aren't just for kids anymore, um, which they revisit every, I don't know, five or ten years. And so that helped comic books. But even so, until about 2000, it still was pretty marginalized. But yeah, so now if you say you like Doctor Who, it's not a big deal. You say you like fantasy or du- Dungeons and Dragons, not a big deal. Um, all of these things are not a big deal. And so I think that a good chunk of Who fans uh, really came on board uh, right at the time of the the reboot, the 2005 Eccleston run.
1: Oh yeah, I can't deny that. And also is the fact that... um. We're in the era of multi-licensing. Sure. If you have a one book or one comic or whatever, there's always that group that wants a license because they want to get on the board, spread the wealth, even though the property might only need to be one time, one thing. It might be good for what it is and not expand. Uh-huh. And that's one of the problems we're having. When they talk about superhero fatigue, what they're not going to talk about is fantasy fatigue or sci-fi fatigue or even super spy fatigue, even though they're all back with superhero fatigue is that if you don't appreciate it and you're just in for a partial ride, you're not going to enjoy it the same as someone who's here for ride or die.
0: Sure. Sure. And you know, you're, I mean, I liked, I guess it was, I'm assuming it was four. I think my first interaction with Dr. Who was four and that was one Mm -hmm. of the first big bumps and big pushes of Towards the American audience, because they kind of had those on fairly frequently for, um, on PBS. They had four pretty frequently. I, I don't think, I, our, I don't know if you would know this better than I, but I feel like four allowed, got popular enough for them to start showing one, two, and three in the States after the fact. Is that true?
1: Oh, yeah. It was, but not for a reason you'd think, in the sense that it was because it was color. Oh
0: that's true because those that first the first Doctor Who was black and white though.
1: Right. And the second was in black and white and the third one was half and half.
0: Hmm.
1: And so when four was in color, as I call it soap opera graphics, because you see some of the old soap operas, not now, because it got sure. different lighting. Like
0: Doctor okay. like uh, dark shadows.
1: <laughs> yeah, they had certain lighting, and Doctor Who had the same lighting on number four. Mm-hmm. Now you see it, and you have the lighting on some of the sub properties, and it's almost like film. It's not even the same lighting.
0: Well, but one of the beautiful things, and I think this is why I will uh, say that a lot of properties got better over time. Like, the early Star Trek, they had some science fiction. I mean, it was definitely science fiction, but they didn't – it was light on the science piece of that. You know? It was pretty light on the science oh, that-
1: because what they like better and they had their own physics.
0: Sure. And and I think that so it's night and day difference in terms of the science of next gen and the original Trek. Night and day difference. I mean, we had a language of quantum mechanics. We had a language of, you know, different forms of biology of how different creatures like the crystalline entity and all that sort of thing could exist uh and i think the same happened for comics i mean for a long time iron man was just a guy in a flying suit you know but once you got touch screens and iphones and social media uh the the suit really fundamentally changed and the writing of it changed um and so i think and doctor who once we started really understanding traveling through space and time and people had read you know a brief history of time and and stephen hawking and and other theorists people could handle their sci-fi have a little more science and so the writing arguably i think had gotten better with some of that stuff right you know, so I don't know. I mean, and so I think this is a good time for those kinds of properties because it's like, oh, people kind of have a working knowledge of some elements of science. It's not like, oh, we're just going to make stuff up. It's like, oh, no, this is sort of made up. Yes, but it's got it's grounded in some science. Um, well, little,
1: i like you that. It's just that sometimes I think uh, a good example of yours mentioning Iron Man Lack of better term, you could say he was the first Rick a Rick and Morty because he was a drunk. Sure. He believed in science against magic. Sure. I mean you know.
0: Yeah, and well, and all of the all of the uh Marvel characters were I mean, they just didn't have any knowledge of science or theoretical science or <laughs> or biology for that matter. They didn't have any notion of genetics. They kind of had a little bit because they were like, well, let's, what about mutants? They're an evolution of humanity. They kind of had a little bit of science. But when you start getting to people who everybody has a real strong knowledge of certain scientific principles, it makes the science fiction better. You know, so that's why, you know, a lot of these shows, Babylon Five, Star Trek: Next Generation, Rick and Morty, every you know the the current MCU Marvel universe, they just know more, so they're able to write from a a less bananas kind of place. You know, oh, sometimes yeah, sometimes that sacrifice is fun, but
1: yeah, that's like we were saying one of the earlier conversations about uh, Molecular Man. Molecule man.
0: Molecule man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But Molecule he man. Really came out, he was a joke. He yeah. was, he was just a joke. And all of a sudden he is like, oh my God, he takes on Galactus because yeah. they really miss the his clients. It's the same thing about Aquaman. Remember again, he was just a joke. Yeah. Until he go, oh my God. He can go to the bottom. Oh my God. The depth, the pressures.
0: Yeah, the pressures yeah. of the sea. He would have to be. He would have to be Superman level strength. Yeah, yeah. and it says once you know these things, it becomes much more interesting. I mean, the Molecule Man, great invention at the time, but you know, he plays a huge, important sort of part of the sort of uh, Secret Wars type stories that have come out of Marvel in the last twenty years. Because it's like, no, this is a guy who literally's got a god level. You know, ability, and what do you do with that? You know, whereas well, before that's it why was they
1: why they really use him. That's number one why do you really use him, and number two, as we we're going to say before, he was more of a joke.
0: Sure, and now that people have a, a real working knowledge of, okay, what would that really mean? And that's what I think all superheroes have. That's one of the reasons why I think DC has suffered and Marvel has suffered less arguably is because they're in some ways the sort of dc characters are so godlike that it's hard to pin them to science in any kind of way they're much more mythological um but i think the one place where that has that one exception has been flash I think. And, and Batman, of course, because Batman, you're just like, okay, let's invent all these crazy, you know, sort of gadgets that you would find at um, sharper image. (laughs) Well, Batman already had those and the flash, it was like, Oh no, this guy can go fast enough to change time. And that's was the end science wise for flash. But I think flash, the silver age flash always had a little bit of that. He did. They they always touched on science a bit more because they even had I think at the back of some of those Silver Age issues they had a science fact I think it was like flash facts or something like that I want to I want to say that was hmm. like oh this is a science a cool sciencey thing that we're gonna put at the back of a flash comic and Flash was singular I think in that way both with Marvel and DC of really trying to do that
1: but well, see that's one of the things before they had a uh, what was it, Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I forgot what it was called, but basically they gave the science of each person's power. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because was about the same time. Literally, it's about the same time. It is issue, I think, one thirty six of X Men
0: mm-hmm.
1: is uh, when Jean Grey first comes back.
0: Uh, she comes back in one oh one, and then she dies yes. in one thirty seven.
1: I know, Di- but she comes dies back quote unquote <laughs> as a hologram. She comes back as a hologram. Used by um, and yeah. then they had a uh, DC that's Superman three fourteen, I think, and this is when he fights the Thunder God. And both of them had the same thing that nobody ever thought about: fans become scientists, scientists become write letters.
0: Sure, and then they and they they start to modify some of those, like yeah, hey, that that on. wouldn't really work. I mean, we can suspend our belief quite a bit, but I think arguably. The average comic fan can't suspend their belief the way a kid in 1955 could. It's like, oh, okay, there's is Superman That's suit. The yeah, Superman's just got a super dog. <laughs> so,
1: oh, you know, they there's was, uh, uh, the the like, the the X Men to explain uh, Nightcrawler's powers. That's where okay. that that fan came in. And the funny thing is, they actually used, of course, in Marvel Universe when they were describing Nightcrawler. And then in Simmons' case, they said, "Well, actually, Simmons only has one power. It's just how he manipulates it." That that scientist, he said, yeah. "What if he can control tachyons?
0: Huh.
1: And tachyons yeah. can strengthen up because it can go through planets, and they're hard. They're hard as hell." Sure, so if he can control tachyons
0: and he can control it he can you know expel it through his eyes he can use it as strength yeah i mean they they do ground these things in science much more than they used to but back to doctor who because we only have a few more minutes left for this particular doctor who uh new doctor who review um i like him i think there's a joie de vivre with him i like him i think he's he's fun um i really I guess we should probably say some hopes and fears to tie this up. I hope they do not write every episode of him like in (laughs) segregated America (laughs) or, you know, something like that. I hope that not every episode is really revolves around him being black and uh, Ruby being white. I hope that is not the case. Um, I do have a fear that they could do that more often than not. It would be interesting. I guess it depends on how they handle it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do hope that they continue to make the doctor a real humanitarian, but also other, completely other, you know, strange and, and, and out there. And I really, really, really can't stress this enough. I hope they don't ever have him be attracted to anyone. <laughs> you know, or not in any kind of like actual action kind of way. Like he, saying that, you know, that uh Sir Isaac Newton was attractive fine, whatever. Uh actually pursuing someone romantically, I think that would be a buzzkill for me as a Doctor Who fan.
1: Always another regeneration.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. So, what are your <laughs> ho- what are your ho- so what are your hopes and fears for this doctor, the 15th doctor?
1: I like the way they're going with the idea of him using his intellect to combat problems, like I said, with the language of the ropes. Can the you hold
0: Can you hold on one second? Hold on one sec. Sorry about that. Thank you for that other break. Now, I was attending to Family Matters. Um, you were saying hopes and fears that you have for the doctor.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of him using his intellect to solve problems. That's what always, I mean, that harkens back to the professor from Gillian's Island. We fans of a certain age, we like, we want to be the problem solver. We like that. And have, yeah. having the tools to allow him to do it, hey, great too. As far as anything else goes, just as long as it's part of the story, I don't care. Just don't take away from the story.
0: I think yeah. I think that we're in agreement there. What did you give grade wise for uh, the church uh, on Ruby Road? A through F?
1: Oh, I give it an A. I give the whole thing an A. Because yeah, you always I... get the regenerations an A. <laughs>
0: yeah, they did they tend to write the regeneration first regeneration episode as strongly as possible. That's for sure. Um I give it an A too. I I, I think that there was enough hints of what could happen in the future that I think would be great. Uh, And they also uh, really show enough of his character that I think is, is, is pretty uh, intriguing. And I think that I'm excited to see more. It's going to be at some point after maybe the season goes through, we'll have to revisit the doctor who world for, what our our overall impressions of his season was because, you know, they could stick the landing or they could really, (laughs) really drop the ball. And it's too early doors to tell. I do like the companion. She has enough of a little bit of Rose, a little bit of um, Clara, a a little bit of maybe a little bit of Donna. Yeah, and a little bit of Sarah. Sarah Jane. Um yeah I think she's solidly a good companion. It'll be interesting to see she's not they're not having her be sort of the damsel in distress which I think thank heaven that's kind of a a, a trope of the past at this point. Um
1: Well most of them really weren't. They really weren't. It's just that some of them were just a little more strong with almost like the man in the room Leela.
0: Sure. So <laughs> sure. Sure. I think well Sarah <coughs> Sarah Jane I mean, it was interesting that they made her, I believe she was a reporter, right? If I recall correctly.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. So
0: they were, they were going for that Lois Lane kind of, uh, archetype. Um, so she was inquisitive and, and, and and looking for to solve things herself, which I think, you know, and the doctor helped out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, they shape, uh, Ruby Sunday, what, what kind of, uh, what kind of companion she'll be i hope they keep it platonic frankly i really i i was not a fan of the companions that swooned over the doctor i know it was it would be kind of what you would do if you were writing in this time and space machine uh and hanging out and being having your life saved over and over again it would be hard not to feel some romantic feelings Uh, but I do think it is a little cliche so
1: well, I I do and don't agree because that's one of the things I liked about Eight Mm
0: -hmm. but there
1: were a couple things he did in Eight like for instance he had never he was at a vulnerable moment a couple of times Mm -hmm. the companion was his doctor his actual doctor Mm -hmm. you know and the point that she started to fall for him was that he had to not only save her, but save the world. And she helped him with that. But his vulnerability made it so that she was attracted to him and he attracted to her. Because it's like us, mm-hmm. you know, the older you get, the less, the,
0: the lower the age of you being attracted. No, I'm not attracted. No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
0: yeah. I mean, he got a figure. He's a thousand years old. So everyone's a kid, really. Um, yeah.
1: So it has to be certain things to, be vulnerable or just like that moment, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So so overall we we liked the 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 new who uh shooty uh gotwad I think did a remarkable job. He's got uh you know a lot on his shoulders because he does have to represent all of the Who fans plus push it a little bit into the future leave his mark on the character. And, uh, yeah, he's, uh, it's, it sucks being Jackie Robinson.
1: <laughs> well, actually, I was thinking, you know, maybe the next one needs to be Asian.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could be, well, it should be a, a free-for-all. It really should be a free-for-all. And, uh, you know, and he can be anything. And and if it serves the story, cool. If it doesn't serve the story, uh, you know. But, um, so that's our Doctor Who, new Doctor Who review came, that came right at you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, definitely send your thoughts, uh, your opinions to us. Drake Storm at Gmail for Terrence, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, you can hit me at ThatSoQuantum at gmail.com. Uh, or you can hit me at UrbanDharma8 at gmail.com. The Urban Dharma with the number eight at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, you know, like we like to sign off, uh, don't be a stranger. Just be strange. Yep. And we will see you on the morrow. Have a safe and happy new year. Um, and we will see you soon. Next year. Next year. <laughs>